watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at two movies, High Rise and Keanu. And as always, we're going to rate them on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Exactly. Um, so this week, the pick of the week was a movie that we reviewed last week, which was The Meddler. Uh, you may have heard Jason's fantastic, riveting interview with director Lorreen Scafaria and actress Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Oh, Sar- damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Susan Sarandon, damn it! <laughs> so close every time. I mis I I mispronounce almost three or four things on every episode that we cut out. So that's a little it's a little joke for us. Hmm. Um, so anyway, fun. the Meddler opens now. Last week when we reviewed it, it was yeah. only open in L.A. and New York. Correct, and just just one or two theaters in each. So as of today, Friday the 29th, it's also open in San Francisco, San Diego, Chicago, Washington D.C. Phoenix, and then further theaters in LA and New York. And then next Friday uh, is going to be uh, its wide release date. Uh, so if you live outside those cities, uh, then look for The Meddler next Friday. And you can best believe I'll be tweeting about to remind you. So The Meddler is our pick of the week for this week. And, and uh, maybe next week. Who and knows? possibly next week. It could, could just be nothing but stinkers and it'll have an unprecedented three-week reign as, <laughs> as, as our pick of the week. Uh, so, but in the meantime, we have these other two movies to talk about, and we will be getting to that momentarily. Yeah, it's also special. We, we're going to talk about Keanu, uh, which is very exciting for me. And then we're going to talk about High Rise, uh, which we filmed just a couple days ago with our good friend, great great friend, good friend, good friend. Gruel. He's a really gruel guy. <laughs> he is really grossome. Um, Joshua Grinnell, better known as Peaches Christ. Um, it, that'll be fun. Listen to that at the end. Gruel Grinnell, they call him. Um, in the meantime, Jason, what's up with you? Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. I feel like this week we should just both talk about lemonade because what oh, else would we talk about? I think about? this week neither of us should talk about lemonade. <laughs> I've read more than enough articles that say don't talk about lemonade. Oh, for God's sake. We can talk That's about- not going to stop... Jason, we can talk about what songs we like for fuck's sake. Let's not be insane. Okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. I know. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be like, so I thought I was too black. Like, that's not. (laughs) Like, what do you think I'm going to say about it? That? (laughs) That You're a wild card, Jason. I can never tell. So anyway, what's your favorite song on the Monday? (laughs) You're like, let's get back to the safe place. Favorite song and why? And then I'm just going to cut you off real quick. Perfect. Um, Oh, man. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like. I just get the all over tingles every time I listen to Don't Hurt Yourself. Oh, that one. Okay. Just because I love an angry woman, always have, always will. Mm-hmm. It's, what, it's what made me think that we'd be a good match on this. <laughs> oh. oh. And uh, and just hearing, I also like hearing, I love it when like good girls go bad. So also having Beyonce, who historically has been very... Uh, you know, just kind of a beacon of light and warmth, and in 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 some ways, almost 
occasionally veering into airing on too much politeness with her public image and with the way she presents herself to the world to have her just screaming like obscenities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, to this like fuzzy Jack White track. Mm-hmm. Like it's giving me major, like she's serving Allison Moss Hart, dead weather realness. Mm, yep. um, except for like, if instead of it was Allison Moss Hart, if it was like Betty Davis, the funk singer, not the actress. <laughs> uh, so like, I just, every time I listen to it, I'm just like, I, I feel like it's a guilty pleasure just because it's like, that's such a, that's such like a, I don't know, prurient thing to be like, Beyonce is screaming fuck. Whoa, she just screamed fuck again. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It just does it. And her, I mean, her. That's like when you freaked out on the Vanessa Carlton diss track. <laughs> exactly. This is just like that. I'm like, Vanessa Carlton just said cunt so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I. To be fair, she was talking to Sarah Brightman. <laughs> she knows she deserved it. <laughs> the sad thing is I think they were fighting over Stephen Jenkins. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know why he's such a gem, but. Uh, yeah, so I think that, that that's the one that just gets me the most pumped listening to it. And, like, that's the one that I have sat the most people down and been like, I want to watch you listen to this. <laughs> um, and then they start to talk, and I'm like, shh, 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 shh. Yeah, I'm like, she's about to say fuck again. <laughs> um, it honestly reminds me of, of kind of one of my favorite all-time, like, foul-mouthed tell-off tracks by a woman, um, Why'd You Do It by Marianne Faithful. Mm. Uh, which is is really similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, to to this song. Um, minus having Jack White come in going <laughs> here and there. Yeah, so. when I first saw the Jack White um, attribution on the track, I was a little cautious how that yeah. was going to work out. But it, it worked out beautifully. Yeah, it's not always like, you know, he did that song with Alicia Keys. So um, for oh, like the one, one, he did like, it was for a James Bond movie, like Another another Way to Die, I think it was called. Okay. And That um, sounds like a James Bond yeah. track. And, uh, you know, so he he's kind of like, he's worked with soul singers in the past. And and I think that he has great reverence mm. for, you know, I mean, he's deep in Americana and, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, stacks soul and all kinds yeah. of shit. So his references are good, even if he himself has proven time and again to be a huge asshole. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, no, I think they work really well together, like hearing their voices together. I think Beyonce's voice and James Blake's voice together is like just heaven. Mm. We get just a precious few seconds of it on forward. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, they sound so good together. So those are your top two? Mm. Well, forward not. I mean, forward's really short. That's like a minute long. Yeah. What? So, but I think maybe, maybe uh, all night. Yeah. Uh, and just formation. I mean, like formations on the album. I mean, I still like all, all I need to hear is like, brum, 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 you know. And I'm like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> like no matter where I am, what I'm doing. I uh, think, um, and I, I, this isn't a criticism, but formation at the end. I always forget it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by always, I've been listening to this album on repeat, you know, for the past sure. six days. Yeah. Um, I keep forgetting it's there. And, and with All Night, it kind of has that bookend where she mm-hmm. does that, like, I've missed you. Which right. is like, gives me chills every time. At the beginning, at the right. beginning when she's like, what have you done? Yeah. Again, I missed you. I feel like that bookends the track. And then formation's kind of at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's like a tacked on single. Yeah. It honestly reminds me of Four... Um, the way that Girls Run the World was was tacked on to mm. that record. Mm. And that had even less, I think Formation at least ties in in a lot of ways to the identity of this album. Yeah, yeah. Um, Four was like just this super like just funky throwback, like lightweight soul record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just had this like 
Banger. Sort of, yeah, this like huge, like stuttering, like, you know, like this, like, like, whatever, we're, 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 how is this? You don't beatbox enough on this podcast. <laughs> like, I'm like, how is this in the same record as like Countdown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, Countdown. Um, I need to do a, like a whole playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think even insofar as like, and also, of course, let's talk about daddy lessons. As, as, as I explained the other day over dinner, it's like, the lost Katie Tunstall track that somehow made its <laughs> made its way onto the record. Uh, so, which is there's just no way to to make that song not unpleasant to listen to. I think it's not in my top. No, it's one. It's that... on no one's top. Okay, like I think that like no one in the right mind would 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 not not skip that track. Okay, uh, if they if they had their druthers, because as much as it is important autobiographically for her to be like talking so candidly about her father, right. Um, and, and I get, of course, you know, it's like, oh, it's Texas. It's like a Texas kind of Western vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many, like there are so many amazing country flavored songs in the world. And the way that they just pursue the production, I think was just misguided. It just feels too kind of like a country song with like weird, crisp hip hop production. And it just, I don't know. It doesn't I work. did really enjoy that part of the video though. Yeah. That part was really great. Yeah. It kind of distracts you from, uh, from how lame the song is. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, this is a movie review podcast. We can also talk about the film. We can. Um, I'm going to go with my tops. Yes, Which yes. What, what, what's up with you, Rebecca? And by what's up, I mean what are what's up toward the top of your favorites uh, for Lemonade? Um, so at the clear top is Hold Up. Mm, of course. Um, just a real treat. Um, mm. You know, I can't, I hate the fact that I love almost everything Diplo touches. Oh, yeah. Because um, he's terrible. Yes. Um, but I love... talk about a white dude appropriating. Seriously. Um, but, I mean, he must be okay to work with because he's worked with a lot of people. Um and that track just it's such a it's i'm so ready for it in summer and mm. it's it's so badass um be a pine lake soundtrack song pine lake soundtrack song um and then my second is all night yes um th- i can't imagine i don't know exactly what it is that it reminds me of um but it it's i don't know i love the i feel that's i think it's the other thing about formation is that um i'm so it feels so uplifting and it's like mm-hmm. such a great feeling at the end of that album and then like formation comes in and it like kind of jars me out of that like sort of soothingness of all sure. night it doesn't go with the arc it's almost like do you think formation should have been after it should have been sequenced after freedom, freedom. before all night yep that would have been perfect yeah. freedom's number close to number three yeah uh, love that track mm-hmm. um, another really really powerful track it's, that's easy it's, to it's, it's rousing uh sandcastles was one that i when i saw that i watched the video before mm-hmm. i listened to it and I was like, this is lame. And I think we talked a little bit about this yeah. just because I, I think being invested in the story, I wasn't ready for reconciliation yet. I know. So when you see Jay-Z in the video, you're, I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? Why are I you know. taking you're, him back? He's so terrible. Get him out of there. I already, I already don't like him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he looks like Joe Camel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just seeing his profile. I'm like, there it is. Joe Camel profile. <laughs> That's maybe the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. I think someone else pointed that out. Damn but. it. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, but listen to the song Standalone. It's grown on me a lot. Yeah. Unlike, unlike Daddy Listens. Mm, yeah. But those are at the top. I, I keep wanting to make just like a playlist of the songs that I like, but I keep trying to listen to all of them, except Daddy Listens. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, maybe I'll like, more will warm up to me as I listen to them. Yeah. Um, so I'm not like just pulling out the exclusives yet yeah i think it's it's not song for song i don't know that it's as strong as the last eponymous album 
mm-hmm. which I feel like every song was so strong and so distinct. Mm-hmm. But I think this is also just a different mood. It's a different yeah. tone entirely um, because it's darker. It's more minor key. And so it is not as like every song is not bursting with life and vitality because that's right. not where she was at. Yeah. She's mourning this period in her relationship. She's mourning the state of race relations in America. Yep. So like that's where she's at as opposed to the last one where she's like celebrating being a MILF basically. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, but overall, what an amazing thing. Yes, um, you know, I, I didn't watch it on Saturday night. I woke up to Twitter on Sunday just being like so ready to watch it. Yeah. Um, what it it's a um, feels good to have two experiences to be alive mm. when this comes out. It's very Terrence Malicky that film. I've seen the I've seen the references to that Terrence Malick, um, a Terrence lot. Malick. And if, <laughs> yes, Terrence Malick. Yes. Um. So that's been what's that really has been what, what's up with me? Yeah. I, I mean, really what else is there? All all through work, I'm listening to it. Like as soon as I get in the car, I'm putting it back on. Like on the one hand, I hesitate that like since you know we'll be we'll be putting this out there six days i guess after this first came to the world i'm like internet time it's like old news but it's not because no one's even close to being done talking about it Uh -uh. i have made not one but two becky with a good hair memes you have which you can find on my instagram at jason leroy uh and uh and 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 share some some person who hosts like what not to wear or something shared one of them today oh really yeah so that was a a random thing they're like it's it's actually called what not to meme It's called Stupid Gay Shit on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) My Um, my favorite account. So that was uh, that was Lemonade. That was Lemonade, and uh, what was your favorite part of the video? Oh man, so I've only watched it the one time. Still, me too. Um, So, uh, shit, what was my favorite part of the video? I'll tell you mine while you're thinking. Okay, mine is like it's a very short period. I, I think it's during sorry and it's like they mm. take that bus out her yeah. and her her uh, friends crew take the bus out and mm. then there's like all this like really quick action shot where she's like has like paint like white paint oh, um yeah. and all these and then she kind of has this like her hair up like almost like an egyptian mm. headdress type thing and there're all these mm-hmm. like quick cuts of her like moving in an almost like inhuman way right really i thought that was really cool yeah oh and the underwater part was right. when i saw it like jaw to the floor mhm God, it's so hard for me to pick out one. Like, so, like every every image and that every frame of it is so memorable mm-hmm. and so beautiful. Um, I, I did think that it was almost impossibly powerful when she brought in the mothers. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that was. I think I got a little misty eyed there. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. That was very powerful. Oh, I need to watch it again. Yeah. So I mean, just just to think that like she's like, I want to make this part of this. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah I. I can, yeah, that just, it's very, very, very amazing stuff. So we are clearly, we are drinking the lemonade. We're drinking mm-hmm. it hard. So, and I'm drinking lemon water as we record this. So. Excellent. Just put some sugar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we go on to our, uh, the first movie? Let's do it. Uh, the first movie is Keanu, which we just saw last night. Recently dumped by his girlfriend, slacker Rel finds some happiness when a cute kitten winds up on his doorstep. After a heartless thief steals the cat, Rel recruits his cousin Clarence to help him retrieve it. Well, it's going to be okay. You're right, Clarence. I want you to meet Keanu. No. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the cutest guy I've ever seen in my life. Why is your door open? Keanu. Keanu! I'm sorry. So this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. I was way more excited for this movie than Jason was. So... He's going to take the lead and ask the questions. 
Um, but he's probably going to talk over me in no time. Yeah, I will. So, but for now, you're going to save the Q's. I'm going to serve the A's. You serve those A's. Yeah, I'll serve them. You serve them I'll serve them right up. Oh my you just God. wait. <laughs> Give me those A's. Oh my God, I am overworked right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, this is this is All a right. lack of sexual chemistry. Is what this it's is. It's really <laughs> intense. <laughs> so, uh, Rebecca, mm-hmm. first things first. I have wh- two cats. One's <laughs> named Chicken. Oh, no. Okay. The other's named Teacup. Which one of us is the key and which one of us is the peel? You are the key and I'm the peel. Yeah, I know. I, I Even as I asked the question, I'm like, wait, obviously I'm like the tall, queeny one and you're the short, darker one. <laughs> you mean cooler one. <laughs> uh, that's not how darker sounds when I say it. Okay. But <laughs> sure, that's what you heard. I guess we can go with that. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely the, the peel to your key. Yes, I think that's, that's, that's listeners. Do you agree? I think you should agree. Uh, if you disagree, then tweet us and explain why I'm actually the peel and Rebecca is the key. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your theories. Mm, very interested. So as you said, you were very excited for this movie. Uh, what's the last movie you were like this excited to see? Oh, wow. Oh, Zootopia. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I have a type. <laughs> Animal movies. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the movies we've seen lately I, that I've really enjoyed, I've been, I didn't go into them expecting to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Like Son of Saul. Right. Um, you know, Son of Saul, Zootopia, Keanu. <laughs> those... You're like, I have a type. <laughs> <laughs> you really pinned me down. Yes. You're like, I like stories that are about odysseys. <laughs> In a way, yes, yes. yes. I feel like me trying to like figure out what my common thread is going to be every week for the blog post of this. <laughs> that would be a real challenge. Zootopia, Son of Saul... And Keanu. Keanu. I mean, I guess in each one, someone is on a journey. Someone's mm-hmm. on a quest to find something. Mm-hmm. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's like a reason to Sin- keep living. Well, <laughs> or... well, ostensibly, he's just looking for, you know, who wants to find someone to give a proper, whole, you know, Jewish burial to the thing he thinks is his son. Right. Or, some, or a or young bunny wants to young... find her place in the world. <laughs> well, specifically wants to find when she's on that case, wants oh, to right. find the guy who goes missing. Mm-hmm. So really, these are very tactile, are similar movies. Capers. Yeah. I mean, I see a triple feature of the Castro coming up in the <laughs> near future, I think. So we will be in the so front row. Great. We'll be in the front row. Uh, well, talk a little about why you were so excited for Keanu. Um, so I love Key and Peele. I think they're hilarious. Um, I, I Some of their sketches are a little hit and miss, but overall I think that their approach is, is unique and their chemistry is just amazing. Um, also, I am what you would call a cat person um animal person but i am uh very very uh, weak in the knees around kittens and cats yes um so this just looked like a, a marriage made in heaven it sure did uh and 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 listeners as you may or may not know i once accompanied rebecca to a cat circus <laughs> Uh, in Vegas. People do all kinds of things when they're in Vegas. <laughs> they go, they ball the club, they get strippers. Mm-hmm. What we did was we went on an afternoon, <laughs> just a <laughs> just a perfectly nice, sunny Las Vegas afternoon. We went to go see a cat circus. Cat circus, yeah. I and paid extra for the front seats. She did. She paid extra for what were called the VIP premium seats, which were literally just the row in front of us. One row in front of Jason. <laughs> you had your hand on my shoulder the whole yes. time. Just... Uh, just I just wanted to feel the heat coming off of you <laughs> while you were watching the cat circus, and uh, it, it scorched me. It did. Good, good. 
Good. So with all this talk about your expectations, did Keanu live up to them? Absolutely. I mean, I was definitely afraid that uh, being a comedy, uh, all of the funny parts would be in the trailers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also because they they had had such a run on their show that we would see a lot of overlap with things that were in the show and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be too original. Um, Also, the plot is sort of thin. Uh, You know, it's very straightforward. So I thought it would make it a little boring. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it's definitely not something new. Um, so the good the good things I would say would be it doesn't it isn't an extension of a skit right. which I think kind of happens a lot when you go from like TV to movies um, so it's not like kind of one thing that you've already seen done longer um, but but who they are and how they interact and some of the the characteristics of their characters are going to be very familiar if you've seen the show um, there was definitely less cat time in the movie than I was expecting, mm. um, which worked because yeah. there was there was more story there than I thought there was going to be. Um, Although, I mean, every time the cat was off screen, I was like, where's the cat? Bring the cat back. <laughs> Were you? Like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't one of those things where I don't feel like they could have actually overexposed that kitten. That cat was Like, no matter how so much cute. they showed it, I was like, more please. And the muse. The sound direction on the muse there, like the mm, cat noises, oh which every time the cat would meow, I was I thought I, I was going to be a puddle, but every time the cat would meow, Jason was just like, oh. When you're saying muse, I thought you were calling it your muse, like M-U-S-E. Oh, you're no, like, no. oh, that muse. <laughs> my muse, <laughs> my queen. Mew. <laughs> muse. Mew. Right. Muse. Yeah. Oh, God. Just a little, just a little kitten, kitten yowling. Uh, mm-hmm. So adorable. How do you think fans of the show respond to Keanu versus people who maybe have only seen these guys doing like supporting roles mm-hmm. in other comedies? I think it's going to be a hit for both. I think that if you like the show and you like their style, it's it's very clear that they're not anything different. But at the same time, like I said before, it's not going to be something you've already seen. So if you're a fan of the show, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So the it's movie... a great introduction to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. Uh, the movie, uh, it obviously has a diverse cast and mm-hmm. only two kind of minor white speaking parts, including the hilarious Will Forte. Oh, yeah. Uh, how do you think it is about women? Um, so there's one woman character who um, is pretty prominent. Um, Played by Tiffany Haddish from the mm-hmm, Carmichael show. From the Carmichael show, yeah. Um, and and she has an arc all of her own. Um, I think that... It... <laughs> Isn't that what Virginia Woolf wanted? An arc of one's own? <laughs> I don't think it's groundbreaking. I don't think it's fantastic for women. Um, but I think within the story, um, I think that... Oh, actually, no. There's also a character um, who is uh, Key's wife. Right. Who is another... Um, Nia Long. Nia, oh, yeah. It's Nia Long. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's been so long. Mm. <laughs> Pun since intended. Since I've seen her. Um, oh, that's Nia Long. Yeah. Just blew your mind. It all makes sense now. Um but I think that she's also a very strong character. Um, no? No, uh, I didn't think so. Uh, I, I mean, I thought that I thought that Tiffany Hash's character was essentially like a token female. Yeah. Um, and I thought that the wife was a non-character because she's just there at the beginning to be like, all right, boys, I'm going on this vacation. Mm-hmm. Have a nice weekend. And then she has her one check-in in the middle of the weekend, which is like right on par for like the beat for beat kind of story this does. Right. And then she shows up at the end and is like, fuck me. And like, that's it. So I didn't think it was much to her uh, character. No, I didn't think there was any character to it. Now, not that Neil Long isn't always wonderful to see mm-hmm. um, and not that she isn't, you know, charming. But yeah, no, I didn't think there was I much think that the, the, the situations that she's in, though, like I think she holds her own. I think she has 
uh, a lot of agency in her relationship. Um, I just think that, I mean, it is a buddy story about these two guys. And like, I think that it work it works because it's supposed to be like his weekend away from responsibility and like how he acts in that situation. So uh-huh. I think, I think that that's a, like a, a repercussion of the way that the story would have to work. But I think that at the points where she is there, she isn't, um, she isn't like a victim. There's a situation where she's like a little in a, in a bit of like um, mm-hmm. a dicey situation, but she doesn't ask for help. She takes care of it herself. And then, no, you just, I'm sorry. I'm well, like, I'm reading your face while it's. I guess it all just, it just felt like a very familiar stock character to me. Like I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen that kind of three scene wife in the background of a man's adventure with another man in a million comedies. Mm-hmm. So no, I didn't think there was anything remarkable about the way that this particular one was written. And I think, you know, even even though, yeah, she checks in and she like expresses that she is uncomfortable for a certain reason on this thing that she's doing. I I know I, I didn't. I, I think that you are meeting it more than halfway mm. in, in praising that character. Hmm. Maybe in, maybe in the praise. I mean, I, as as a as a sort of buddy comedy, there really aren't many other characters that have like more of a, a uh, an arc than than she does, or more of like a backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with the uh, Tiffany Haddish character. There is a bit of um, the way it ends a little. Uh, yeah, it goes very much like it would have been much better without the kind of the the last bit of the arc that she has at the end. If it had just been like this is a character that could have just easily been played by a man, right? Um, right. And instead, they chose to make her female, and that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. no, but then they go the obvious route, right? Uh, which is unfortunate, right? Right. Uh, this movie has an unbilled celebrity cameo and a mayhem-filled centerpiece scene. While we won't disclose the identity of this person, mm-hmm. we'll say it was a female actor, and that I was <laughs> very happy to see her. It was not. Uh, Julianne Moore. No, not that female actor. Uh, did you think that scene was successful? Um, this is an interesting. The Q's and the A's are. It makes me feel very un, very nervous. Very uh, <laughs> yeah, you responsible. See how sweaty she is it's, right I now. I am just a pool oh, over here. Listening. How do you do this every week? <laughs> because I'm a white man, so I'm like, of course, let me share my opinions <laughs> with the world. I'm like, nobody wants to hear what I have to say about this cat movie. <laughs> like, let's pretend they do. Uh, <laughs> that's how it works? Is that what you grow up thinking? It's delusion. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I guess if it works. Um, does that scene work? I don't know. It's sort of a It's a part of the story that, that it ends up really awkward. It's really unbelievable. Um, I think that the fact of who it is and, and kind of how they, they end up discussing who it is is hilarious um and like it was a total left turn and there's like a parallel story happening at the same time that's a, like a lot funnier and a lot stronger um but no I, I think that was one of the weaker points of the movie it just didn't mm-hmm. make sense for a movie that like pretty much like for being kind of this grand caper that's crazy kind of ties up all its ends relatively uh sensi- sensibly mm-hmm. this one kind of comes out of nowhere and, and, doesn't and also really the way that it gets wrapped up at the end is very yeah yeah, I just felt like the scene was as happy as I was to see the guest star. I just thought the whole scene was very forced. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't the kind of thing where, um, you know, I think there have been really genius celebrity cameos, like, let's say, like, Bill Murray in Zombieland or something like that. Mm, yeah. Where you're like, oh, that was just the most perfect person they could have put there. And mm-hmm. then the scene plays out so perfectly. And this one, it's not quite like when you, when you see this person, when you see her, you're not like, oh, my God, I can't believe. You're like, oh, hey. And at first, yeah. I, I just thought she was playing a supporting role in the movie, and I didn't know. Yeah, it seemed like a like a comedian's choice, like a comedian's comedian kind of. Yeah, 
And uh, so, yeah, yeah it, it didn't feel, and even you mentioned that the other thing, the, 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 the thing that they're cutting back and forth between with that scene was funnier. And I thought the whole, which involves a running gag of mm-hmm. Keegan-Michael Key's character being a George Michael fan, which I thought was just so stale. Oh, I thought thought it was overplayed for sure. It was overplayed. And at the very least, it was overplayed. And I thought that like the idea of like trying to play comedy off of like a black guy like George Michael. What? Mm -hmm. And then as he gets these other guys into it, I was like, yeah, as as, as wonderful a performer as he is and like seeing him like passionately lip syncing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. always fun. Um, (laughs) But I thought that was a little overplayed. The chemistry was good. I felt like the acting and, and the sort of like group in that in the in the car was sure. They were fun. all great. They were all great. Actors. But yeah, the the George Michael uh, bit ran a, ran a bit long. Yeah. So I was thinking this movie actually has a lot of similarities to Dope, in the sense that it's about black nerds in L.A. who wind <laughs> up on the wrong side of a drug war yeah. due mm-hmm. to a misunderstanding and why I'm having to work for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one's like a lot more. One's a lot more sad because it's like, kind of dope uh, because it's like this really clear window to how people don't have a choice in their situations like you, know, you can do your best to try to avoid um getting in trouble but your environment forces you into that and that was a really sort right. of depressing part of that movie yeah well i wouldn't call it depressing but i think that no, it was a, I thought a, it was pretty i thought it was a very kind of you know resonant and grounded that was like the anchor of that movie you I know mean, that that of course like that was not meant to be uh, as kind of just completely pure slapstick comedy as Keanu is, mm-hmm, yeah. like that was a that was a comedy that also had a lot of realism in it, mm-hmm. and so it had a sense of place, and that was part of the stakes for the character and why we're rooting for him is because we know what his, you know, situation is, and and this is a, this is a studio comedy, so it's you know so it's, right. it's, it's sort of the other side of the coin, but I just feel like with Dope, like I I feel like a like there's a big misconception that like people in gangs are in gangs because they like want to get in trouble and they have nothing to do and they don't want to get a job and they're just sort of um getting in trouble as a quick way to make money or Mm -hmm. whatever and like this is like a like a situation that um i don't know it's kind of eye-opening that like it's not always a choice sometimes it's just a repercussion of being in the wrong place at the wrong time and that's very often that that happens Mm -hmm. um where this is kind of like they do it on purpose right yes well yeah this this there's like this insane comedic gambit mm-hmm. as right. to why they're doing this which i think the movie was very um it's very straight-faced about um it's very straight-faced about this sort of central idea that there would be a kitten so <laughs> adorable that that fearsome gang lords from around the world would be willing to murder and die for it right um just to have it in their possession uh, and I appreciate that the movie it doesn't sort of it doesn't repeatedly hit you over the head with that. It's like you you they show the kitten, and you see the attachment each of these different characters who are mm-hmm. vying for mm-hmm. it has to it. But they don't really they're not like trying to like like just shove your face down. Like, are you getting why this is so funny? Because right. this gang lord likes a kitten. Uh, with that said, I did think it was still I thought it was stretched a little thin. I feel like it was the kind of thing that would have worked better as like a running storyline on an episode of their show mm-hmm. um, where like each block they just like check in like anyone how's that story going about Key and Peele trying to get a kitten back from a drug lord right right um, I think that the movie has some pacing issues partially because it doesn't really have quite enough to fill out in its entire runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were moments toward the middle where I was kind of like getting a little like restless like all right like where's like let's 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 pick up the pace a little bit uh I kind of feel like similar to Trainwreck and Amy Schumer, 
this is like another case of like a groundbreaking Comedy Central sketch star breaking into the movie world by stamping some of their personality onto a very formulaic comedy. Oh, Trainwreck. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think that, you know, so Trainwreck was entirely unremarkable um, in its actual sort of frame and structure as a story, as mm-hmm. a movie. Um, you know, because we have a story about party girl who meets the right guy and then winds up kind of like being like, okay, I'll change. Yeah. And that's that. Mm-hmm. And uh, which was ultimately a lot more disappointing than this was, I would think. And I would say in terms of the the contrast between the message of the movie and the star's kind of brand up until that point. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think that this is at worst just kind of like an extended, not always great Key and Peele sketch. Hmm. Um, and as someone who watched every season of the show, uh, I, I, I do think that, hmm, like, I think people who aren't, haven't watched the show will definitely love it a lot more. Like, there were people next to us, there was this enormous man in particular who was, like, very much <laughs> in my space the entire time, who was, like, scream laughing, mm-hmm. like, every time Key would make a crazy face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, oh, well, this is great. People get to discover Key and Peele and all of their comedic gifts and Key's kind of much broader, bigger gestures and peels much more sort of like minimal, weird gestures and the way that mm-hmm. they compliment one another. And so I'm like, well, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that everyone gets to, you know, discover uh, uh, that for themselves. But at the same time, I felt like it was not anywhere near as inspired as the best of their show. Yeah, there are definitely skits of the show that were a lot more um, groundbreaking um than this was i guess i guess the expect your expectation um for this kind of thing these jumps can be tragic yeah um and this wasn't fantastic but it was good mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's an action comedy it's a studio mm-hmm. action comedy buddy movie starring key and peel mm-hmm. uh so if that's what you're going to expecting a studio action comedy buddy movie with key and peel then that's what you're going to get with a kitten yes and also with a kitten uh so well what do you I have a question for you? Yeah. What do you What are your thoughts about um, the way they the kind of the bigger message not bigger message but kind of the uh, one of the running gags of the show, um, which is something they they address in their show as well, is this kind of like uh, the way that they they are in black culture and mm-hmm. the way there's a like a black culture that that doesn't that they right. aren't a part of, mm-hmm. um, and they're sort of like they take on these personas in this show, yeah, uh, in this movie. Um, how do you what do you think about when they do that and, and do yeah. this movie? I think that's interesting. I think that's an interesting part of the movie that I hadn't really thought very much about uh, this idea that they are again addressing this issue of them not feeling like they fit into you know black culture because of being biracial. And I think that in this movie, it goes unstated, you know, on the show, it was always very explicit when they mm-hmm. would, when they would do jokes about that, or when they would just do like, their conversations with each other about it. Mm-hmm. And in this, they never say like, I don't fit into this because, you know, I grew up in a half white family or you right. know, that kind of thing. So I think if you go into it, not knowing that part of their background, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. But yeah, looking at it through that lens, you do see that like they have to basically turn on a certain shade of their like blackness, so to speak, so they can kind of navigate this world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, the, the humor and the jokes come from like watching them kind of try and fail to like keep up that mask right. um, under extreme duress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so looking at it that way, you can see how it would fit into uh, kind of a lot of the stuff that they have addressed on their show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all. That was my only question. Okay, for you. Thank you. Well, I have one last question for you, and that is. 
on a scale of 1 to 10, how much internal injury did you sustain attempting not to scream in ecstasy every time the kitten was on screen? <laughs> I was gearing myself up at the end to... Uh, I thought maybe something bad would happen to Keanu, and I was oh, like yeah. bracing myself. There's a moment when you think it might, and I and yeah, I, I I saw that very much play out as I looked over at you. <laughs> <laughs> My panicked face. Yes, I saw your arms fly up as if to block your eyes from having to, <laughs> to watch this terrible thing happen. There, when he's when he's teaching Keanu how to how to drink milk. I almost oh. lost it right there. Oh, yeah. I was like, what is it like? You know, when like people hear babies and they're like, oh, my ovaries or something like when yeah. you hear a cat mew or like mm-hmm. you see that, like there's like yes. a different organ that I was um, going to ask a question about your ovaries. so I didn't want to be gendered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think it's something else. Maybe it's like a pituitary gland or something that really just starts to throb. <laughs> I'm like, how does this make your tits feel right now? Is that how it works with women? <laughs> I don't know. That's how it works. All right. Um, oh, this movie is directed by Peter Tensio, who I we talked about it briefly last week. Um, directed, created uh, one of my favorite viral videos of all time. So go look it up. It's called Immortal Dog. It is a laugh hoot. Go Immor- check it out. Immortal Dog, not Immortal Dong. No, no, that's Jason's uh, fan fiction. <laughs> His Game of Thrones fan fiction. Right. That's my that's my gay tube username. Uh, what are we giving this movie? Uh, I'm going to give it consume moderation, mm-hmm. uh, just because I did feel like it was uh, it was fun and funny, but it was not at all uh, fresh and uh, and yeah. So I just thought it was just kind of a formulaic derivative action comedy buddy movie that certainly benefited from Key and Peele, but I think that it it, it could have been it could have done something more creative mm-hmm. than than it did. Uh, I'm going to give it somewhere between a high consumer moderation and a low binge it. Mm. I, I tend to save binge for movies that I feel like you really need to go see in theaters, like before everyone else has seen it, either like something really spoiled for you or mm-hmm. like you need to see it like, you know, immersed right. in the theater. And this one can definitely wait for you to like be home yeah. with your friends and eating pizza to watch. I think right. you should definitely watch it. But like, I don't think it's as timely as like a, like a quick binge it. Binge minus. Binge minus. Um, but I definitely found it very enjoyable. Um, Keanu is out now, and it's rated R for violence, language throughout, drug use, and sexuality. So that brings us to the second part of today's show, which is, um, as we mentioned before, um, a little segment we recorded earlier this week with Joshua Grinnell um, for the movie High Rise. So let's go ahead and go into that. Okay, so we are here to talk about High Rise, and it's kind of a special uh, segment for us because... What we've done is we have sat down, uh, Rebecca and myself, with a special guest. We are so Very excited special. to welcome back to the Binge We podcast, Joshua Grinnell. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, so excited to have you back. And back to do something that we haven't done before, which is we all literally just watched this movie. All three of us together right before we're recording this. And these are our hot takes. Uh, we don't have anything prepared. We're just going to dive in and just talk about what we think, what our responses are to Ben Wheatley's High Rise. Uh, so, uh, and there's 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 some 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 things that'll probably just come up organically about the movie, uh-huh. and uh, and then there's just everyone's individual hot takes. So, so explain to me what a hot take is, just so I'm I'm totally clear. Sure. Hot take, uh, just sort of just like just knee jerk, like quick, okay, quick and okay, yeah, yeah just yeah, like yeah. like like okay, like we just watched it. Hot take on it would be 
how are you feeling just having watched it? Yeah, before don't bother we... thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. We're going to talk this all through. Uh-huh. Process. Just raw emotion. Raw emotion. Okay. I don't know. I guess uh, just words that jump to mind are um, dirty. I feel dirty <laughs> and uh, uh, kind of exhausted from it. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I actually found myself. Um, not nodding off a little bit, not because the movie was boring. I think it was a combination of feeling exhausted and a little overwhelmed, and, and also pizza. So and also pizza. <laughs> yeah. I had the lights off. Yeah, there was pizza. yeah. It got dark really fast. I felt yeah like, while it was happening, which, which made, made it feel like it, three or four hours. It made it feel like it was even longer than it was. It was. Right. Yeah, it since day turned into night while we were watching the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the movie and the movie soldiered onward. I think that even if we didn't have the uh, obvious passage of time happening out of the window. The way the movie is set up... So, what's this movie about? Mm. Um, this movie's based on a novel, and it takes place mm-hmm. in the 70s in this high-rise... a novel from the 70s um, by J.G. Ballard, who also wrote uh, Crash, which David Cronenberg adapted mm-hmm. uh, in the 90s. And, uh, yeah, and, and what we have here is is just sort of a, a very uh, broad social satire about the class system, specifically within England, because we know how the British are, 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 are class focused more so. And so we have a a story about a high rise and it is, um, there's an architect played by Jeremy Irons who has designed this building and he wants it to be uh, a new way. He wants it to be different. He wants it to be uh, an, uh, an opportunity for people from different classes to come together in one building and somehow be an example, like some kind of utopia that like it'll be different than the rest of the world. But then inevitably, as the classes settle in and there is, you know, the 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 richest being at the very top of the high rise and the poorest being at the lowest end of it, uh, those those kinds of, you know, class separations start to spring up and uh, and exploitation and abuse and uh, and hoarding of resources by the wealthy and uh and you know chaos and anarchy start to break out and uh so sort of this grand social experiment uh kind of falls apart in very kind of grotesque grotesque manner Mm -hmm. um our entry into this is a character played by tom hiddleston whose name is lang and i I don't think there's much to say about lang he's kind of a non-character am i right like is there's Mm. not really like there's not much to him he's just kind of there to be our our entry point Mm -hmm. Um, we're not really rooting for him, but we're not really rooting for anybody. Mm-mm. No, no. That's the thing that's so weird about it is like, yeah, you, you, you. The protagonist you know nothing about nothing. and have really little understanding of what he wants or why we're going on the journey with him. Right. And I think, in some ways, it makes it cha- more challenging to kind of like stay focused and stick mm-hmm. with it because we're not given all the sort of uh, normal. Um, attractions, you mm-hmm. know, that we're 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 used to. Um, You're given nuggets about his his past and even his career, but uh, they they quickly fall apart. Like mm-hmm. it's enough to make you be, to be interested and wonder, like if there's going to be more what where he's coming from or where he's going. Mm-hmm. But that sort of drops off about three fourths into the movie and is completely irrelevant to the rest. Of the I movie. actually found myself mostly uh, compelled to keep, you know stick with him because there was a lot of um shower scenes yes. where they were almost showed his penis yeah they did like m- multiple times yes. right and the camera would Lots cut away just, just 
right before exactly. you, yeah. just as me and Josh were just leaning forward <laughs> yeah. just closer to the TV like here it comes boys He's, he is attractive oh my god I mean yeah. the camera loves him very much he so he looks yeah. so beautiful um, in and out clothes there's a line Sienna Miller is in the film as sort of a as this sort of, as a Sienna Miller type character, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, who's a sort of vivacious, free-loving um, party gal who lives in the building. And um, and she has a sex scene with Tom Hiddleston, and she tells him, she's like, you look better without clothes than in clothes. Not many people can say that. And goddammit, that's not true, because he wears the hell out of a suit. Yeah, he, he does. does. Oh my god. Shirt. I can't think of many actors who just look so good in just, just, just a regular, just men's dress clothes. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes where he is painting his apartment, and he has this blue paint splatter on his face, and he looks like a painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, his features. That's so like that has... Gautier video. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, what's is that? Someone used to, used to know. Yeah. Oh Seems right. Like very topical. Feature. Yeah. <laughs> very. People are Rebecca's still listening musical to that taste song, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> okay. As current as ever. All right. That's fine. Uh, but Sienna Miller also looks like she just brings the same makeup and clothes person from every movie, <laughs> along with her. Towards the end of the film, I was thinking she's giving a lot of Amy Winehouse. Mm. You know, because mm. she, she's the so towering hair, the towering hair, and the bloody nose, mm-hmm. and the sort of you know just the train wreck of it all. But like still looking Gorgeous. fierce yeah exactly. you know mm-hmm. but she's great i mean to me she was uh stealing scenes left and right just because mm-hmm. she's you, you kind of are just drawn to her and yeah. you know and she's also a milf in this yes. film so you know she's mm-hmm. um you know got this little kid who's mm-hmm. i guess um the nerdy boy the, the professor n- little professor yes the nerdy professor observer that mm. kind of i guess he's supposed to represent the future yeah. right um but she was great she she i felt like you know the, and i wanted um elizabeth moss elizabeth which one was she the pregnant one oh yeah oh yeah um mad men yeah mm-hmm. right, she's peggy, peggy. Mm-hmm. i i forget i always forget her real name but i kept thinking like oh my god peggy's in it and then i found myself <laughs> um really analyzing her british accent oh, maybe yeah, it's because you it know it falls apart under scrutiny it, do- it does <laughs> and uh, you know i having just the listeners might not know this but i just performed um spice racks where i had to have a british accent because it was a, my parody to spice girls um and uh, so I was really listening to her British accent. I thought it was good. Right. I thought it was good. Um, and of course, you're also um, distracted by, or at least I am, always a pregnant prosthetic belly. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, every time they would touch it, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, the um, the you could just tell it was just like a cushion or whatever. Yeah, and she and it gets and it gets bigger and bigger because her her character is supposed to be almost. Over almost obscenely pregnant. Well, yeah. at some point, she's been for like three months. Yeah, and it's already late. Yeah, yeah, right. she, at the beginning of the movie. You're just kind of like, oh my god, get get it out, you mm-hmm. know, because she's pregnant for too long. Yeah, yeah. I felt like those two women were the closest to what I who I was rooting for in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, women, well, think, women in general, especially yes. those two. Yes, because there are other women who are very unsympathetic in the that film. Is true. That uh, is true. But these two, Elizabeth Moss and and Sienna Miller, have a natural kind of. You just feel compassion for them. Yeah. And this movie um, spares no uh, gender from violence, that's for sure. No. No, it doesn't. Um, I think it, it spares a lot of the stuff toward women happens off camera, at least. So it kind of has mm-hmm. a, a sense of chivalry. Oh, dear God. Uh, sexual assaults happen. And they say chivalry's dead. I know. Oh. Did you think? I, to high rise. Uh-huh. Well, I thought that, you know, I think that, that you hear a lot of, there's it doesn't um, shy away from women screaming. There's a lot of screaming. 
But, you know, there's there's a scene where one of the women we're talking about is kind of dragged off camera for what we can assume is a rape. And they don't show the rape. True, uh, but I found the dragging to yeah, be more, very, very. That more, was the hardest part of the movie. Me too. To I, I thought that, and I was actually thinking about that and thinking this is maybe worse mm-hmm. than That's interesting. Uh, see, cutting into a rape scene, and probably because the the, the fear of what's to come right. exactly yeah. is so mm-hmm. much almost worse than when right. it's you know happening, and, sort of. And she's losing her. She's losing her power. She's losing is the relationship that she's had with this man up until this point has been where she's kind of been in control and she's been keeping him at bay and he's interested in her and she says, you're not my type. And so we see that, yeah, she's just losing. And I think that character, Wilder, the rapist in this scene, uh, is we're supposed to think that he's this kind of revolutionary, you know, that he's the one who's the threat to the people on top and he's coming for them. But, you know, this is a man who is just a vile, vile. Terrible. Yeah, just just a drunken lout. Yeah, the um, whole impetus for the rape is that she did have sex with somebody else, right. but not her. And then once he finds out that she does, like, engage with others, he's mm-hmm. so angry that he beats her and rapes her. It's right. pretty grotesque. It's really grotesque. Yeah. And he's actually gross, like, from the moment you meet him. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. They, they don't, yeah, it's not a surprise, like... You know their relationship from mm-hmm. the moment she uh, accidentally drops something right. over the balcony or whatever. You realize like, oh, he is awful. Mm-hmm. You know. So you yeah, I mean, I guess he, chops. He's, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be this like revolutionary, but he's almost like a parody of a revolutionary. Just like mm-hmm. the elites are like a parody of the elites. Like this, I think his role is part of the satire. It's just what was the so movie bad. that was the train that kept. That was oh, going Snowpiercer. Yes. Snowpiercer. So I was thinking yes. about Snowpiercer is, while yeah. we were watching That's that. That's such a perfect analogy. It it's, is. it's a vertical Snowpiercer. And and <laughs> and for me, how much more? Now I tend to I like things that are over the top and cliched, mm-hmm. and I'm romantic. And right. yes, I love art films, and I like to be challenged. But um, but I was actually thinking while watching this, like that I was just so much more satisfied with Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. that I enjoyed that so much more than this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, yeah, it's basically the, the same kind of right. concept. One's in a train and right. the other's in a high rise. So it has a much more clear black and white morality to it. That's what I mean about me being more cliched <laughs> and, and actually appreciating that. <laughs> You're like, I like that it was more basic. I do. I do. Exactly. Just call me basic. <laughs> I'm fine with the basic spice. Totally. Like Snowpiercer too, you know, it's it was a little bit in the future and, you know, I felt like we were able to relate to the different groups better here, setting it in this time and place, this, this building in England, and it has mm-hmm. a very seventies feel, which, which I don't know, it, I felt it alienated me as far as understanding that class conflict to the Isn't degree it? where I'm supposed to get this movie, yes, and feel passionately about one or the other. It was like watching, um, like getting super stoned and watching Faulty Towers, mm-hmm. like. But like the Adult Swim version, where they all <laughs> kill each other. Which for was... me, and for me too, like this uh, Snowpiercer, because it was set in the future and it was so ludicrous. You mm-hmm. know, somehow I was able to more easily access that world as a mm-hmm. believable place, mm-hmm. and um, y- you know, and it was so fantastic that right. this I found walked the line. Like, is this a period piece? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This seventies film with this. Right. High rise that we all know didn't they didn't this didn't exist in the seventies and nothing like this really existed in the seventies and 
I found it jar- more jarring. Like, and also mm-hmm. too, even like the setting for it. Why was it out in the middle of the no in the middle right. of nowhere? In the middle of this parking you know, right. lot. Right, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. why would anyone choose to live it? And why were they all going to their cars? You right. know, and where were right. they going? Like, I don't know. I I found it to be. Um, and why didn't they just leave then when things got bad? Because like exactly. a lot of this happens because like the the building starts to malfunction, and power goes out, and the amenities start to go, and that's what kind of pushes these people to like chaotic ends right. and sort of like. Um, irrational actions. Yeah, desperation, survival. Yeah, and but, then the obvious symbol of the elevator breaking down and right. thus disabling the ability to traverse between social classes. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Like when a movie is is like so close to reality, but isn't and but isn't super absurd. Like it's hard for me to to like. Am I on this ride with you? Where I'm like identifying with people, and I'm I think this is something that I'm actually going to be scared of, or do I need to be thrown into a totally different world that I'm that I don't understand? Like let's be crazy with it. And this one was so close to both that it was hard mm-hmm. to right. get lost in it. And it ends with Margaret Thatcher soundbite. Oh. Oh, that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Okay, someone knows their... Um... Well, I know Meryl Streep's impression of her, so... <laughs> I was like, I know that. I know that voice anywhere. Uh, so it ends with that, you know, so it ultimately, and then the last thing we see is a bubble burst. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it's very, you know? I mean, that part with, with the Margaret Thatcher quote is like, really heavy-handed with the yes, whole it, capitalism Yeah, situation. it's very on the nose. Like, it's very on the nose at mm-hmm. the end. Um, and, uh, you know, we have this kind of new class emerge after all of this you know violence and death and 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 everything's fallen into disrepair and so now we have this new more authentic class emerge and uh and i feel like it's a kind of thing that especially the product of the lower class and the higher class right that right yeah right exactly this boy because his yeah his his father we find out is this very pivotal high figure and and his mother was more middle low figure and so uh and so we have what we have, I feel like, is a movie that, in some ways, is very resonant to San Francisco right now. Uh, I was waiting for that to happen. Yeah, because, I mean, not only is it about a high rise. Um, it looks and... like the one on Octavia right off the highway. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, no. The, especially, it look like that one? Yes, it does. And especially at the beginning when they were showing the mm-hmm. building. Although it has that all that 70s concrete Kitch. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's like if you went, ever, ever stayed at the contemporary in um, Disney World. Um, <laughs> that, that sort of uh, 70s version of the future. Uh-huh. You know, which I actually thought they did quite well. It's so right. oppressive and depressing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the yeah. little slivers of windows. Yeah. It's almost like prison-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought that, well, they really did design like that in the 70s. I actually thought that was... Quite good, but it did remind me of the new high rises that are right. being built, you know, mid, so quickly mid-market. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all over, all you know, over, and they yeah. do, they do look a lot alike. They do, and because of that, I was really hoping to like kind of latch onto this and like be able to draw parallels, and it, could, it didn't happen. I could me. feel you just wanting to have something to get puffed up about from this movie. You're oh, like, I exactly, did. exactly. What? This movie nailed it. But that's the thing is, it doesn't give you any kind. Of, there's like, you know, like we're saying, there's really no everyone, even like even Elizabeth Moss. You're kind of looking at her like. Okay, like you seem on the one hand like we're you know relatable, but then she seems like she's kind of keeping a blind eye to things, and then she says that weird thing to Tom Hiddleston after they have sex, uh, like oh she said you were the most the best immunity in the building oh, or whatever yeah. amenity uh, um immunity amenity 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 oh, amenity makes more sense yeah, yeah I think like, she said yeah because it's Wang's the amenity of the yeah, building yeah okay. exactly right, right agreed so there's that uh so yeah it is it is hard to latch on to people. But, you know, let's talk about at least sort of the camp value, Uh, Mm -hmm. the camp value and then just in general, any potential cult value. Well, I kind of and this is a good segue into what I was going to ask you guys, which is 
what genre did you think this was? Oh my God. You know, like yeah. I was watching it because at the beginning, I think mm-hmm. when you were t- talking to me about the filmmaker, who yeah. unfortunately I'm not as familiar with, um, although I have heard of uh, him in the movies, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking horror. Yeah, me too. You know, and so so by the end of the film, I was like, I don't think I'd call this a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know what I would call it. Third <laughs> sort of. It, well, it's a it's like a it's like a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a social satire. Yeah, that for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it is. Uh, you know, and I, for this, it opens up the conversation also of like who are Ben Wheatley's influences here. I think there's some there's some Kubrick, there's some Greenaway. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, definitely there, Greenaway. Like yeah. that was something I felt a lot. Um, there were moments where I felt. The cook, the thief, his yes. wife, and her lover. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, just sort of both in the art direction and sort of the performances and the mm-hmm. theme, where it's not over the top, beat you over the head camp, but it's mm-hmm. weird, mm-hmm. Exactly. you know. And it's it's all it's it's all existing in this weird yeah. place where it's like people don't really act like yeah. that. No and, one acts like a human, right? Yeah. And everyone's kind of everyone's not acting human, but also still weirdly kind of contained and controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whenever they do have a big emotional moment, it, there's no emotional tracking to it at all. It just makes no sense. It mm-hmm. just happens just to be this big explosion, and then it just stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so I yeah, lots of lots of Greenway. I wasn't sure if I was picking up on on any hints of Cronenberg, but you know, clearly Wheatley had his. Well, maybe because of uh, just the Jeremy Iron Jeremy Irons you know, connection. I as know. soon as he showed up, you yeah. think Cronenberg, well, and you then know. like flickering TV screens giving me Videodrome. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And and a lot of the actual, I really loved a lot of the lighting effects where mm-hmm. uh, the music would be the SOS from right. ABBA plays a big role in it, and that classical. Um, mm-hmm rendition of it with the strings doing SOS and the flickering of the, the lights mm-hmm. downstairs, yeah. you know, in the grocery store, you know, strobe lights and stuff. That mm-hmm. so, so for the listeners, like everything's in this building, your grocery store is on floor mm-hmm. 15, you know, swimming pools and gymnasiums and racquetball courts. And, mm-hmm. um, but when they got into this sort of, yeah, I, I could totally see Videodrome and that kind of, yeah. you know, um, playing with lighting and music. Yeah. I feel like the movie's yeah. most effective parts are those just random bits of visuals that are really just impactful and striking. Mm-hmm. Uh, even something as simple as, like, there's an early scene of a slow-mo uh, Tom Hiddleston dancing in a hallway with a bunch of stewardesses. Oh, yeah. And uh, and what was that? Was that his fantasy? Yeah, that was I don't his know, dream, I, I don't think. know okay. if that was his fantasy or if that was just literally he was just going to go bang all those stewardesses. Uh, I think he was because, asleep. Cause, yeah, okay. Because yeah, he's definitely supposed to be, like, a playboy, it seemed. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't... But I it also that. feels like a little bit like the director was like, I want this visual. Right. Yep. You know, yeah. like, you know, I want, I want this visual. So I'm going to set this scene in a costume party mm-hmm. environment, you know, yeah, right. So just to, on the so nose. Sad. I mean, it definitely feels like if you didn't know when this movie was made, you didn't know Tom Hiddleston and the actors. I feel like you could say like this movie was made in like 1979. You yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally believe it. Mm-hmm. The, that sort of like it, costume scene. It has the, the mad- music. It has the madness of a movie made in the late 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Even just like, I don't know, like it reminded me a little bit of like coma a bit. Hmm. That like sort of when he goes into the hospital and has those scenes like that. I don't know. That's hmm. interesting. Yeah, it, it it has you know it has the you know it, it has a lot of camp fun, especially with the upper classes. Well, exclusively with the upper classes. There's no camp about the lower classes. Mm-hmm. So you know, but it's not very funny. No, exactly. That's the thing. And yeah. so there is a camp quality to it, to the design, the costume. 
to the performances to some degree. But for me mm-hmm. personally, they're not pushed enough. Unlike Snowpiercer, where right. T- Tilda, Tilda Swinton, Swinton is just so delicious you want to watch it over and yeah. over and over mm-hmm. again she's just so wonderful and clearly was allowed to just yeah you know go be set free this is very it's a very restrained kind of camp and i think yeah it reminds me of a particular type of peter greenaway film because yeah. peter greenaway also has yeah. those films where the actors are completely insane yeah. but it reminded me more of like a cook the thief yeah. where there's mm-hmm. just this bizarre and when they do let loose a little bit you're mm-hmm. relieved right. you know yeah. you're you've been waiting for it and so um I, but for me personally i i actually felt felt like i wish it had more of a sense of humor yeah and mm-hmm. and, and got a little more outrageous i feel yeah. like that's the thing that's going to keep it from becoming more of a cult film is that a it's it's so long and it feels very long yep. and b that it just doesn't really have any sense of humor nor is it kind of unintentionally funny you know, so there's 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 neither there's neither form of humor. There's yeah. neither the film's not in on any kind of joke. Uh, I think it might think it has a joke, but it doesn't really. <laughs> um, it doesn't really have a joke. It also doesn't have a lot of ideas. I think that's one of the problems. Like the movie just runs on and on and on and just does lots of variations on just one or two themes, mm-hmm. and it just wants to keep exploring visually ways of bringing those themes to visual life, but it it just they get very old very quickly. And on the one hand, we at least have this kind of mounting tension of like, well, how bad are things going to get in this building? Uh, we know from a kind of from a prologue that it's going to get really bad, and so we're kind of intrigued as we're going along, like, how, okay, like how did it get to the place that we saw in the opening moments of the film? But there's not even really a story. No, no, and I think that's part of the part of why it felt so long for me is that it kind of descends into madness pretty quickly um, where I stopped caring about how much further it was going to go and then it, things just sort of kept happening but it was already like gone had gotten pretty gross like about halfway three quarters in the film so the right. last last fourth I was once they'd killed two dogs you yeah, were like yeah once the done. dog body count was yeah. just real I'm like where did they get all these dogs I, there were only two original dogs by the end of it it's like all dogs go to heaven it's a mess <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> And it's it to me it felt tedious, you yeah. know. Like and and you know you and I think we're all three. We don't go based on me listening to your podcast. We're we're the kind of people who don't go to movies looking for reasons to dislike them. We're no, actually no. there to root for the film and yeah. to support it. And I definitely felt like at some point, maybe at the midway point, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> um, and and also too, I think you're right about the comedy. You know. I wonder sometimes about these guys who I'm going to assume are uh, straight guys. I don't know what the, anything about the director, but just based mm-hmm. on the movie I just saw, I'm going to assume. And we talked a little bit about Christopher Nolan and mm-hmm. where I'm kind of like, um, okay, they're, they're really good at doing really dark, but right. they're not good at doing any sort of sense of humor. And, and therefore, mm-hmm. it's hard for me mm-hmm. to really fully embrace it or love it or want to watch it over and over again. Even something like A Clockwork Orange has a great sense of humor to it. And so even though it's this sort of dark, awful, mm-hmm. violent world, right. you know, it's something I could return to. It's something I could watch again and and this was sort of like i i think the director mm-hmm. thought there was humor yeah. because of lines like um well in the pro uh prologue at the beginning they uh set up this idea that this guy's so bad off that he has to eat this dog mm-hmm. right so i don't think i'm spoiling anything because yeah. they sh- they tell you this in the first you know five minutes of the film 
And so that's like a big punchline at the end of the movie. And you can tell by the dialogue in the script and mm -hmm. the, the way that the actor delivers the line that that's supposed to be comedy. You know, well, when I ate the other half of the dog and it's like, no, it's just, okay, yeah. we already knew this and it wasn't funny yeah, at the beginning. No. It was kind of maybe borderline surprising, but. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, I think that Ben Wheatley clearly, you know, if we're going to talk Kubrick, you know, Clockwork Orange was the clearest influence from there. Just like Cook mm -hmm. Thief would be the biggest one from, from Greenaway. Mm -hmm. And also I was getting a little Pasolini, a little like mm -hmm. Sallow. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just like the most. Uh, just this this corruption and and decadent debauchery and just like just nihilism of the upper classes and mm -hmm. just willing to just kill and fucking eat not necessarily in that order uh, the lower classes mm -hmm. um, and just for their own amusement and just those scenes of just just rich people just laughing obscenely and just carrying on in a really horrific manner uh you know i think those were those especially these two women we have i guess they're sisters one is the wife of the architect the other is an actress and the movie i think what little kind of campy fun has it mostly just just showing close-ups of their very made-up faces and just right. watching them carrying on like yeah you, again kind of ab fab but on yes. on fucking acid you <laughs> get that this was supposed to be camp um, but it's not satisfying. Mm -hmm. The actress is introduced, and I remember thinking in the grocery store when, when yeah. she's introduced, oh, good. Yeah. Some yeah. levity, some camp, some, you know, some eccentric, mm -hmm. you know, crazy actress. And then it's like, doesn't really go anywhere. It's not very no. satisfying. She does look a lot like Parker Posey when she has mm. her sunglasses, sunglasses on. Yeah. But right. when she takes them off, it's like, not no, Parker Posey. No, but no. Yeah. Which is always a letdown. <laughs> so ultimately it's kind of like, it's like a joyless dystopia. You know, I mean, yeah. dystopia is really the genre if we're talking, yes, you that's know, true. It's, even though it takes place in the seventies, it's sort of a, a dystopian, it's a seventies dystopia. Yeah. It's sort of a view that they, that, that JG Ballard had at the time of like, where are we going? Uh, and you know, what does the future hold? And just imagining this future where you tried to, you know, put all the classes together in one building to create a utopia and then it sours and mm -hmm. and then falls apart. Um, and yet, you know, in a kind of point, it's fingers. Well, well, why? Well, why does it fall apart? And, you know, that's we have this Thatcher quote at the end. It's all about capitalism. And then we have a bubble burst and all that. So, like, it seems like it's just like, OK, well, it's just like an anti-capitalist dystopia. Um, but it's but labor. But you never really get why. No. And, and yeah. they never really answer why people feel that they're stuck there. And it's just, yeah, there's this, there's a lot of loose ends. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't, but why? Mm -hmm. um, it seems like, yeah, it would have been maybe had we seen it in the 70s, maybe that, mm -hmm. that would have been a lot more relevant and funny to us. Yeah. It would have been great if it would have been like turned, changed modernized for a current yeah. situation you could have taken that story and easily made it really relevant to what's going on here uh, yeah i mean i think that that actually would have, that that was one of my problems with sort of this idea that it was sort of out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. it's kind of like well no i think what's even more interesting because it almost looked idyllic right like these mm -hmm. english countryside right. green you know it didn't look like this awful place i don't know if that was the point but to me it's sort of like you know here in san francisco the um condo complex i forget what it's called that's next to the twitter building um oh, nema nema or yeah nema mm -hmm. um actually you know built um its own bridge you know to cross the street you know from the oh, nema right. building to the twitter building mm -hmm. that's you know, one that also has a butterfly um 
like atrium in it? Probably, yeah. I think so. But the the idea being, yeah. you don't have to go downstairs right. mm-hmm. and cross the street with the homeless people right. and mm-hmm. the regular San Franciscans. Yeah. And that Twitter building has a grocery store and a it does. Shop. It has <laughs> all and this, a gym. Yep. And a gym, and I sometimes go to that gym because I, I live a few blocks gym. away from the Twitter building. But it, it's that thing where it's sort of like. I think that's really mm-hmm. fascinating. Like mm-hmm. you've fought to move to the city. Mm-hmm. You've you 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 you're spending a ton of money to live here, but you don't want to walk on the street. <laughs> you know, you you would rather take this little sky bridge um, over to the Twitter building. You know, and that idea of a of a you know condo complex representing mm-hmm. the us versus the them because you're surrounded by the Walking Dead down below. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been really interesting, but this was so strange because it was just a parking lot and, you know, they're just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And I guess the idea is maybe, well, we're out in the middle of nowhere, so where do we go? We, We, you know, why would we leave, you know? Right. I feel like to Rebecca's point about how she was hoping there'd be something more concrete to hold on to in terms of like a social narrative. You know, like it kind of maybe would have worked better if it had been done in sort of like a social realism kitchen sink kind of way. And but instead it wants to be this very heightened, very stylized, mm-hmm. very yeah. sort of like wannabe cult vibe. Yeah, definitely got a of, cult vibe. And that undermines, sure. that really undermines like, you know, it also at the same time at the very end it wants to be, it wants to have a very kind of spell out for you what the point was moment. Right about capitalism and about Thatcher's England. And so, you know, but it's like, okay, well, that's not what you just gave us, though. You know, what you just gave us was this, this you know, Pasolina, Greenaway, Kubrick pastiche mm-hmm. um, that did not really humanize anyone. Uh, and that was just, you know, all these characters carrying on in bizarre, non-human ways. Um, so wait, at the end there, I saw capitalism as being like, that was going to be the answer, the new way, right? We saw it as like, the class system was what was existing in the in the high rise, and then the boy in the future and the Thatcher was capitalism, like on the horizon, sort of like saving the day. Oh yeah. no, I didn't think it no? was. Uh, no, I mean like no British person would ever use a Thatcher quote as a positive. Uh, but maybe like that also was like there's a wink there, like at this point, what looked like the new horizon, what looked like the savior was Thatcher mm-hmm. and capitalism. I mean, I think if anything, it was almost like a almost like the end of Cabaret, where it's sort of like you know, tomorrow belongs to me, um, and it's like, well, now things are going to get even worse, yeah, yeah, uh, because you know we've had this failed social experiment of of sort of like you know, I don't know if you want to call it not not government housing, but trying to have too much state involvement in um, in in having the classes be equalized, and so now we're just going to let it just be free market, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, free market madness under Thatcher and then imagining that like, you know, and now it's going to be even more sort of survival of the fittest mm-hmm. um, than, than what we had just seen. Like Pro- I don't... Probably it's, it, but, but it plays both ways. Mm-hmm. I think you're both kind of, yeah. I mean, it plays as, as, um, Oh, okay. This, this is the, the obvious uh, next step. And here's this quote that sounds uplifting or optimistic right. when we all have the context to know right. that um, she uh, didn't necessarily have the best idea, and and so, and maybe you're right. Like maybe as a as a um, British uh, filmmaker making it, you know, with the BFI and you know, mm-hmm. you know the way that it was made. Maybe there's sort of this sense of under uh, assuming the audience right. understands what the intent is. Right. Worse. That the, things the, are going to get. But yeah. the feeling at that moment is that like 
it's not this old class system. It's going to be better, but we know right. it's and, not. It doesn't. And it could be just. Better. It could be. I, yeah. It could play as like a huge joke for like a British audience to have like to have like. And this is what gave us Margaret Thatcher. Kind like, of. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. of everything we've just seen, and that is what produced her. That's mm-hmm. where she came from. Right. That's what made her become a thing. I feel like us trying to comment on like British social. <laughs> Politics is like us trying to break down lemonade right now. We should just stop. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. Well, I think the one thing we can all agree on that was good about this movie is Portishead's cover of SOS. That was amazing. It was amazing. I uh, want to download it immediately. Oh my God. Like, and just, and they use it really well in the movie. I kind of want that moment to just keep lasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like I would have watched Sienna Miller totter around looking all ravaged and just looking in the middle distance while that played forever mm-hmm. yeah I was it's just the best part of the movie loving that moment living in that moment uh it's the highlight of the film uh so uh i guess this can come bring us around to our our recommendations uh, our our ratings absolutely i'm gonna go with consumer moderation i think it's if it's worth saying um i think that if you have a, a night where you're like let's just get weird with it check it out then you'll feel fun talking to your friends about it, about how strange it is. But I don't think that there's any rush to see this anytime soon. Yeah, I would say not, none of us were. I had a beer, but otherwise we were all completely sober while we were watching this. Mm-hmm. And, that was uh, mistake number one. Because <laughs> that's the kind of movie you can go use the restroom and come back and that'll be fine. Right. Uh, I would also go with consume moderation because I feel like uh, it's just too, you know, what we have here is like a filmmaker who has just been given so much more than he's used to resource wise. And he's just swinging for the fences and just trying to be so ambitious. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to be admired about what he pulls off visually in this movie. But ultimately, it's just script-wise. There's there's really no character. There's no narrative. There's no plot. I, I'm, it must have worked much better as a book, is all I can imagine. Mm, it's just one yeah. of those books that just never should have been adapted to a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, consume moderation, although binge it for Porous Head's SOS cover. <laughs> <laughs> I also agree, consume in moderation uh, for all the same reasons. I thought, you know, it it's... I, honestly, we were talking about this earlier. It's sort of like there is so much uh, to consume right now, mm-hmm. you know, more than we can handle that I feel like my... And I love movies. I try to go out and see movies, you know, a couple times a week. But, you know, now I really want things to be great because yeah. everyone's time is precious. Exactly. And, you know, you know, there's a lot to choose from. And I would say that this would have been more interesting um, had it, yeah, had uh, uh, characters that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. And so it is cool to look at. It is interesting to see some of the really... Um, beautiful shots and um, that certainly the SOS song and the performances are good um, and all of that. But for me, it's kind of like, I want a movie to be great and I want it yeah. to have it all, you know, and this isn't that. No, no, it's not. High Rise, as of today, is available exclusively on iTunes in the United States. It'll be coming to theaters in mid-May, but if you want to check it out now, head on over to iTunes. It's also rated R. Oh, very R. <laughs> For violence, disturbing images, strong sexual content, and graphic nudity. Joshua? Yes. We love having you here. Yay. Oh, I loved being here. Thanks for having me again. Yay. And, Thank you uh, so much. Where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm I'm most findable as my alter ego, Peaches Christ. And so uh, Facebook.com slash Peaches Christ. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Peaches Christ. And um, Instagram is Peaches underscore Christ. So awesome. I'm all the, those places. The one you couldn't lock down. 
You know, I couldn't lock down Twitter either. And um, some, some, you know, not everyone at Twitter is all bad. <laughs> some people take the uh, sidewalk. Someone, yeah, someone. Uh, some sidewalk taker. <laughs> I, I emailed this woman in Ireland to say, hey, you have Peaches Christ. Um, uh, I, you may not know this, but I am Peaches Christ. And, you know, uh, would you? she said, oh, I'm a huge fan. And I said, oh, really? Well, then, um, can I have my name? And. Then I never heard from her again. No. So I emailed Twitter, and the Twitter person got back to me and said, there's nothing we can do. You know, oh. someone... And then, like, maybe two or three months later, I got, like, this anonymous, not from Twitter, not from anywhere, like, this random email address that said, hey, heads up, um, grab your Twitter name. And oh, I went, and it was available. So I don't know oh, if they went and, like, just wow. took it away from her. That's crazy. Yeah. Like guardian angel. I know. <laughs> Well, our thanks again to Joshua, and uh, and hopefully next time uh, it'll be a movie that is more worth all of our time uh, for us to get together and talk about. But whether it's good or bad, it's always a pleasure. Always a treat. Thanks. Thank you. It's always such a pleasure having him on. Ah, oh, we love him so much. I love him. Um, so that's it for the show this week. Um, be sure to find us on Twitter. I'm at Fight Balance. Jason is at the Jason Leroy. And um, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There There goes goes the the binge. binge.